You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Awesome environment, the presence of God. Shirabara, yeah. Well, the sermon doesn't end the worship. It's a continuation. <laughs> so while I know that God is present, let's just invite him in for the more. <laughs> We're going to say a simple four-word prayer. And if you guys will all say it with me, we'll see what God wants to do. All right? Holy Spirit, come. More. (laughs) Only at Revive would they encourage an inebriated man to speak to the congregation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're going to reveal today. Mm. Thank you for your presence, for your atmosphere, the environment that we cultivate your attention is on us. So today, I'd like to talk about um, self-talk and not (laughs) self-talk. That should cover all talk, right? (laughs) Self-talk and not self-talk. You know, people traditionally have said that it's a sign of insanity if you talk to yourself. (laughs) Steve Backlund wrote a book called You're Crazy If You Don't Talk to Yourself. (laughs) We all do it. We just, we're not, we're not walking down the street on the side of the road, mumbling to ourselves, talking to ourselves, and people are driving by going, But we all have self-talk. It's that inner commentary that we have um, throughout the day. It's your thoughts that come and go throughout the day. But you know what? I've, I've found from personal experience that oftentimes we'll say negative things to ourselves that we would never, ever say to somebody else. Never. It happens in a flash of a moment. That thought, boom, is there. And you're waiting for it to leave. It's an inner commentary that, quite honestly, is a reflection of how we see ourselves. So let's ask ourselves, how do we view ourselves? What, what 
is the first thing that goes through our minds when um, we've had a really bad day and we contributed to it. <laughs> we added to that bad day. What are the thoughts that go through our minds about ourselves? What's the first thought that comes up in our head about things that we said, things that we did that day? That is self-talk, how we think. So we're wrapping up this week our five-month Renewed Believers course, and we've discussed things such as this throughout the entire five months, um, discussing um, just how we think, what we put our minds on, and all the various facets that go along with that. I do want to say that uh, this Friday is our um, graduation celebration. Everyone's invited. Um, I don't care if it's been three months since you've been to the class. You're invited, please. We have certificates for everyone. So focusing, however, on the things that run through our heads. Let's look at Matthew chapter 37 through, or Matthew 37. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. It's in the Apocrypha. <laughs> it's Joe's Bible, yeah. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. The second, second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So we must love ourselves first to be able to love other people. How we view ourselves will have an effect on how we see others. How we talk to ourselves the thoughts that come into our head will have an effect on how we see ourselves and others. Next question. How do you change your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the crux of the whole matter. So I'll put it simply in one statement, one sentence, and then the rest of the time we're going to discuss it. Learning what God says about us is the first step. And then the second is to begin repeating it to ourselves over and over and over until we get it. Yeah. Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2. If we could pull that up. Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Can we go back to verse 1 real quick? And all that is within me. David is talking to himself. <laughs> 
<laughs> He's talking to himself. Bless the Lord, my soul, and all that is within me. So quickly, everyone just do like an internal inventory. Just do an internal check. How are you feeling? What is your mood? What are the type of thoughts that are going through your head right now? What are you thinking? Just do an internal inventory and see where we're at. Then we'll see where we're at at the end. <laughs> David here is reminding himself of God, who God is, and what God has done for him. Bless the Lord, all my soul, all that is within me. Jesus said at John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, that the water that he provided will become like a fountain. A fountain that would spring up and give everlasting life to any who that partake of it. So, if this fountain is flowing out of us, we're getting wet too, right? <laughs> that presence of God is coming out. The Holy Spirit is coming out of us. It's encouraging. It's changing the environment around us. And guess what? We're in the very middle of it. We're getting affected by it also, by the presence of God. It is affecting how we think. So the more that we're aware of our self-talk, the, the, the thoughts that run through our head on any given moment, then we're able to quickly and more quickly to be able to catch the thought that's not in agreement with what God says about us. Because like I said, it's just, it's just our thinking. We're, we're, we're thinking, um, I was talking to somebody just the other day. I, I have a tendency of, uh, um, of uh, um, rehearsing conversations before they ever happen. And it's always a bad conversation that I'm not looking forward to, you know. I, I have a tendency of rehearsing it. And the conversation that goes on in my head, 99.999 of the time, percent of the time, is worse than whatever happens. It's always much worse than anything that any discussion I get involved with. So catching those thoughts, it's like, Ugh. okay, where'd that come from? Stop it in Jesus' name. The scriptures provide so much for us. Um, that, I mean, he's, he's given us everything that we need. He's provided it all. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5 in the New King James Version talks about warfare. Uh, I'm, I'm, we engage in warfare daily, but I'm not the... Um, 
I'm more the lever warfare than I am the let's go out and kill them <laughs> warfare. I'm not out chasing um, darkness to beat it up. I just want to get rid of it for me and everybody else. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. What are these strongholds? Casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What is the high thing? This next part tells us, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So, it, every, the warfare that we engage in is in here. It's in our head. It's how we think, what we're thinking about. It's bringing, it's, first we have to capture these thoughts. We have to grab them. So in other words, we have to be aware of them. And then we have to stop them and change. So pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. In other words, God tells us this. This is what God says, okay? And we know this is what God says about us. But then we have these thoughts that contradict that. I am such a loser. You know, I can't believe I did that. What was going through my head? What was I thinking? Okay, now these thoughts want to take over me. And these thoughts, because they're contrary to what God says, are exalting themselves higher. In other words, I'm a greater authority than what God Almighty is. Because I am in disagreement with what God's saying, but I'm better than that. I'm better than that thought. So, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I used to think this was impossible because those thoughts were just running rampant in my head and it's like I couldn't shake them for anything. Whether you can or whether you can't, guess what? You're both right. <laughs> whether you can or whether you can't, it's all in how we think. So, we all did that internal check, right? Are we still tracking? Are we still there? One of the most freeing revelations I ever had as a Christian is that not all thoughts that are in my head are mine. I always thought I was responsible for every single thing that... Phew, just passes through. No, 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 no. It's not true. <laughs> That's a lie. Hello. It's not true. Even science is finally catching up with the science of the Bible and being able to tell us this, how we are made, even on a subatomic level, we are made for connection with others. I was talking to somebody just the other day, and I was telling them, I feel like I'm always searching for evidence in the physical realm and through science, through the physical realm, of how we were made supernatural. We were made, um, 
by a supernatural God, and he tells us we're more spirit than we are flesh. So there's got to be evidence that it's like our houses came pre-wired for internet. You know what I mean? That we came pre-set up for you know, communication, connection with God, with the world around us, with other people. We came pre-wired for that. Evidence says yes, that we are. You guys have heard me talk about quantum entanglement before. I love it. I mean, it sounds real complicated, and I don't claim to understand at all. I just understand enough, you know, to satisfy me, which, you know, it's pretty quick. <laughs> But, you know, quantum entanglement says that um, two particles, if they have the same origin, once they separate, they're always connected. They will always. For example, there's also this thing called um, fuzzy logic that's in there too, in that, um, okay, you shine a light on a prism. The prism breaks the light up. Okay, so these light particles that were at one time together now are separated. Okay, so they're going in different directions. So some of these particles are positive, some of them are negative. If this one over here, this particle that went in this direction, was is now let's say let's let's say it's now um, positive, and it's rotating or spinning at a certain rate, its sister particle that came from that same light over here is also that same thing. If this one over here changes, changes rotation, changes speed, this one will also. And they can be miles and miles apart, and they will follow. When one changes, the other one changes. There's also this really cool thing where, where um, it's, it's, it will stay, I don't, I don't know the science behind this, I just heard a really smart person say this that that particle, if you don't look at it, it will stay neutral. Once you look at it, now it switches to positive or negative. How they knew that without looking at it, I have no idea. <laughs> but people way smarter than me, people way smarter than me are saying, it's like, I mean, Einstein hated this theory. It's now been proven, but he hated this theory because it eliminates the need for time and space. And it also shows that we are all connected. It shows that we're all connected. There's an atmosphere around us that we don't see or sense normally in the physical. Once we learn about it, then we start sensing it more. And it's talked about in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. Ephesians 2, verse 2. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Okay, so let's, let's look at this. So we once walked according to the course in the same direction as the world. Whatever the world was going, no matter how it was tossed and turned, we were right there with it. 
according to the prince of the power of the air. This environment is so prevalent, it's like the, it's like the air you breathe. It's there. It's everywhere. The spirit, it's a spirit. He brings it down to that. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Why does this spirit work in the sons of disobedience? Because he can. <laughs> they respond to it. So like the air we breathe, the thoughts, ideas, and desires of the world, controlled by the demonic spirit realm, permeates the atmosphere around us. Now, so God made us in a way that we can know this atmosphere, okay? But here's something. You guys ever heard of odor fatigue? It's a, it's a smelly thing. <laughs> in other words, you can't smell odors that are around you all the time. You put on a certain perfume or cologne in the morning. By the time you leave the house, you don't smell it anymore. And somebody says to you later, wow, you smell good, you know? So there's a, a, a company, and that's called odor fatigue. Your, your, your mind, your brain, your nasal passages get used to this smell, and it doesn't recognize it anymore. There, there's a factory on the west side of Indianapolis that I visit um, quite frequently, and you walk in, and there's a stink. I mean, it stinks. I, I would tell you what it smells like, but I don't need any mental pictures for that. But anyway, it smells, and I notice it as soon as I enter this factory, you know? And I ask people, do you smell that? They're like, what? No, you know? And after a while that I'm there, I don't smell it anymore either. But when I leave, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And when I come home, Aureli knows that I was there. She says, go take a shower. I say, it's not Saturday. And so then it, I, I have to scrub to get this smell off. But the people that are there, they don't smell. They're there every day. They don't smell it from day to day to day because they're used to it. They're used to that smell. Well, there's a reason I brought that up. Because sometimes we're not able to recognize thoughts, ideas, or desires that are broadcast into the environment around us because we're familiar with it. We smell it all the time. We're used to it. We think it's us. We become used to that thought, emotion, or feeling. We've accepted it. Have you ever walked into a house and you can feel the tension? or walked into a room, you can feel the tension. You can feel depression, or, or just whatever it is. You, can, you just feel it when you walk in. You, don't, you didn't feel that way before, but you're feeling the environment, the air, that's permeating the atmosphere around you. For example, the healing center, okay? For those of you that are on the prayer teams and also for everybody else, um, with our healing center, we start at 10 o'clock, and we do worship, we praise. A lot of times we'll have a joy koozie up here going, and we're, we're just rejoicing in the Lord. We're telling testimonies, and whew, 
<laughs> it's great. And then people start coming in around 11. People start coming in for prayer. And you feel so good. God can do anything. All things are possible. Yeah. Person comes in. You, they get set up. You know, they fill out their paperwork. And they go into the room. And you enter into the room and sit down. And you look. And you think, this ain't going to work. I... I what am I, I going to do? I'm the wrong person for them to talk to. The person says, I've been prayed for a thousand times. And they kind of look a little bit cocky, you know. It's like, come on, I dare you. You know, I've, I've been prayed for a thousand times. And sometimes you can see the, um, the, the lack of hope in the person. Then you start feeling lack of hope prayer that God's going to do something to help this person. Sometimes we think, you know, well, I'm not really a feeler. I could just see it on their face. Well, you know what? The physical realm mimics the spiritual realm. The hopelessness that they're feeling inside shows up on their face. The hopeless environment that they've created or allowed to be created around them shows up in how they carry themselves, how they stand, how they walk, how they talk their expression, everything. You're picking up on that. Do a check, an internal inventory, before you walk into the room. This is how I feel now. I feel good. God's going to do something amazing. You walk into the room, and you, you, just, you feel that hopelessness. That's not mine. I send you back in the name of Jesus. I reject you, atmosphere of hopelessness. I reject you. Because it's not you. It's not you. It's the environment. It's the atmosphere. It's the air that that person brought in. Another example. We can pull up Genesis 4, 3 through 8. Do we have it in the New Living Translation? Okay. Genesis 4, verses 3 through 8. In the New Living Translation. I just, I liked how this, how this version worded it. It says, When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked rejected, dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let us go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. What was it that wanted to gain control over Cain? It says it was sin. Sin as a action doesn't feel or do anything, does it? It's just right or wrong. 
This is talking about a spirit. Notice what Cain was facing was outside of him because it says that sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. This thing wanted Cain. Good news. Notice, Cain could have subdued it and he could have been its master. He could have. God said he could. It is possible. Subdue. What does subdue mean? It means to bring into submission, to bring under you. And Cain was to be the master of it. Sin is crouching at the door. Doorways represent entrances into us. We have doors that we allow access to us or we shut the door to that. As, uh, um, as Sarah was saying, we seal this in the name of Jesus Christ. That door is sealed. Nobody's coming. Nobody's going through that. So sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. Cain was angry, dejected, jealous, and rejected. It was easy for him to fall under the control of sin because Cain was already in agreement with it. He already agreed with that. So he's got something whispering in his ear telling him, Oh yeah, Abel's going down. <laughs> I know how God will accept my sacrifice. Kill Abel. Yeah, that's a good thought there. <laughs> Whew. So, what do we want to take from this, from that verse? If we have fallen into agreement with the enemy's voice in the past, it can be hard for us to tell that it's not us. This isn't my thought. I've thought that a thousand times. This is entirely, it's happened before. Those are all the things that can run through our mind and we fall into agreement with it. But it's not us. So we can agree with things for so long that we think that it's our thoughts. And then it eventually becomes our thoughts. So we can continue following these thoughts or we can disagree with them and send them back to wherever they came from. All of us have voices in our heads. Yeah, three voices. You're crazy if you don't talk to yourself. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so we have three voices. We have God talking to us. We have ourselves our own, our own legitimate thoughts, and the adversary. Can you tell which one is which? Which one is talking to me now? Can we pull up uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5 again? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Casting down arguments, high things, 
strongholds, thoughts, getting rid of all of them. We want to follow God's voice alone, not even ours. Only if it's in agreement with what God's saying. We, we want to follow what God is saying at all times. So how do we know which is which? Romans 15, 13, my favorite verse. Romans 15, 13. Um, do we have that in the New Living Translation, please? I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. God is the source of hope. He is the source of hope. He wants to fill us with joy and peace by us believing in him. When God fills us with joy and peace, you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy, peace, and hope are supernatural because it's something that God gives us. He's the source of hope. So any thought that enters our mind, does it brim with hope? Do we feel encouraged? Do we feel upbuilt? Upbuilt? I think that's the word. Yeah. Built up. Yeah, that too. God's voice will be filling us with hope even if he's correcting us. It's okay. There'll be more opportunities. Think of all the valuable lessons you learned through this. But some of us feel like we can't hear the voice of God. I say baloney. That's a lie right there. <laughs> it sounds so much like you that you think it's you, but it's God talking to us. Is the thought bringing us hope? You ever, you ever just, now I recognize it as the very presence of God, but you're feeling fine, everything's okay, and then all of a sudden, you just get, it's like something just washes through you and just makes you so happy. You just get so happy. You just feel so good. Whatever mood that you was in at that moment, it just went through the ceiling. Just so much better. Yeah, that's God. No question. But if we feel that we cannot hear the voice of God, the Bible has hope for us. If we can stay in the New Living Translation, let's go to John 10, 1 through 11. This blew me away, this verse. I'd always thought of this verse because it's Jesus talking but I always thought of this verse as being one way, and I realize now that it's many ways. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and, comes and come to him. You notice we're talking about doors again, right? You recognize that? 
He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because he know, they know his voice. Notice this last part. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. We can recognize the voice of God. I used to think that this verse was talking about false teachers, you know? No, it's so much more than that. This is talk, because other than the disciples, you know, Jesus wasn't physically on the earth after this. So to everybody else that he's talking to, that John was writing to, he's talking in the Spirit. The next verse. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. That... that that messes me up every time I read that. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. We're talking about gateways, means of entrances into our heart. We tell God, you know, I give you my heart. I give you my mind. You're giving him all access, everything. We're given to him. But for someone else, Jesus is saying, we have the ability to reject a stranger's voice. We ha- therefore, we have the ability to recognize the voice of God. It's in all of us. We have the, re- the ability to recognize what environment, what atmosphere we are walking into. We, we are called to change and influence the world, not for the world to influence us. Because we're aware of the atmosphere that we're walking to at any given moment. Thoughts that are not ours, remember, we're new creations, right? Once we accept Jesus. You know, the sin that we lay down, the things that we used to do, it's not ours anymore. However, because we used to do a certain thing, let's say we had trouble with pornography, you know? If we had trouble with pornography, when those thoughts come into our heads later, it's, it's easy to recognize it because we used to know that thought. We was in agreement with it. So we think this is ours. This is me. Oh, what's wrong with you? That's sick. You know? And we beat ourselves up for it. No. That's why I said the most freeing revelation I ever got was knowing that not all thoughts are mine. That's not me. That's not me. Go now in Jesus' name. You know? So whatever the thought is, I, I, I mean, anything that is negative that does not reflect the presence in the Spirit of God, anything, even if we think that 
this is probable. This could happen. Yeah, that's what he wants you to think. That this, yeah, that it's going to go that way. It's going to go down like that. He wants you to think that way. Does it bring hope? No. All right, then. (laughs) You know what to do. In a nutshell, in a small nutshell, this is what we talked about for five months from all various angles and degrees of we have the ability to gain control over our thoughts. God told Cain, this is even before the old covenant, okay? There wasn't a spirit of God living in Cain. And he's telling this man, we are not mere men, (laughs) right? But he's telling this man, you can subdue it and gain mastery over it. He's telling a man, we are mighty spirit beings in a fleshly body. If he can do it, if God's telling him he can do it, oh yeah, we got this. God is for us. He's not against us. And we can focus our thoughts on Him and recognize when we're walking into an atmosphere that is not ours. And it works for every aspect of life. Not just when we're up here as prayer servants or we're in the healing center. It works for everything. Our jobs, our homes. Do we have hope for our families? You know? How do we talk about them? When people tell us bad news about our family members, are we, you know, I don't care if it's true or not. What are we trying to call them up to? You know, what are we trying to bring them up to? Do we recognize that? So therefore, do we recognize the environment that is there and they're telling us about it? If we come into agreement with it, we've just accepted it. We've opened that door for that spirit that permeates the atmosphere around that person or family or or whatever it is. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. We can all catch our thoughts. We can all grab them, (laughs) wad them up, do whatever we need to do, or we can embrace them. You know, the more that we embrace them, the more that we're going to think that it's us because it sounds like us. So I want to give you all a challenge, okay? A challenge. Uh, you, yeah, you guys love homework, right? <laughs> the challenge for this week and for however long you want to do it, begin jotting down the thoughts you have about yourself in different situations throughout the week. Different situations. Write them down. I mean, it takes vulnerability even to write it down. Notice how the thoughts sound. Are they positive or are they negative? Do they sound like what God would say? Or does it sound like our third grade teacher? 
or does it sound like what my dad used to tell me if it was negative? Does it sound like God would, what, something that God would say to us? Remember, he's the source of all hope. All hope. How much hope is that? All of it. <laughs> Everything comes from him. When the self-talk sounds negative or ungodlike, state over yourself a scriptural declaration that opposes the negative thought. It's not, just, it's not really enough just to uh, reject something and send it on its way. Now we need to fill ourselves. God is the great and divine exchanger. Jesus took our sin and gave us righteousness, gave us holiness, gave us purity, made us a new creation. Totally changed us. All for our sin. You give me that, I'll give you this. <laughs> That's the way he works. So, state over ourselves something that we know God would say. I mean, start with the scriptures. What does God say about you? Okay? Um, more and more that we do this, we're going to start hearing specific things about us. Because um, at first it may sound like, I'm the head, I'm not the tail, um, I'm above but not beneath, he trades beauty for ashes, and all that is great, that is good, that is good. But what you'll notice happens is that now you'll start hearing specific things about you. Because the promises in the scriptures, those are for everybody, and they are good, they are good. I'm not diminishing them, but what does God say about you? What does he love about you? What is it about you that he will never abandon you? He will never forsake you. He shall never leave you. What is it that he loves about you? Now, final thing. Count the number of times that you replace a negative self-talk with God speak. Just have a running tally. This is what God says about me. And write it down. Next thing you know, you'll be able to write a book. If he says this about me, he, guess what he's saying about you? God is good. We are called as light to the world. We are to change this world from darkness to light. We can only do that through transforming our minds, through recognizing the thoughts that we entertain or the thoughts that we reject. Either way, it's gonna transform us. What are we being transformed into? God is good. He loves us. So, we're gonna have a prayer team up here if you want to hear what God says about you, come on up. We have some very prophetic people that will share the goodness of God with you. We love you all. It's a beautiful day. And we get to spend more time with each other, eating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... So let's, let's pray over the food and over our association. Yeah. Thank you, God.
Thank you for all of your provisions. Thank you for everything that you've done for us, continue to do. Thank you for how you love us. You provide all of our needs. I pray for greater revelation to be able to see and comprehend the atmosphere around us. I pray your blessing upon our association today. Help us for the rest of the time that we're on this planet to be able to change the atmospheres, to shift it from darkness to light. It's easy to do. Thank you, my God. Thank you for the abundant blessings that you pour out onto us. Thank you for giving us delusional hope. Yeah, I don't care what the world says. You say it's not only possible, but probable. Yeah, thank you, my God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So God bless you all. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.